We have a new series called Forward. And what we're trying to do in these coming weeks is to talk a little bit about um, the importance of moving forward. And we're going to look into the book of Joshua. Because as we can imagine, um, looking at the history of it, that they had to go through the wilderness with Moses. And now the baton is passed off to Joshua. And we're going to talk about that. And then we're going to see even in chapter 1, verses 1, 1 through 9, but we'll get through at least verse 6 today, is just, just to highlight the relationship of Moses and Joshua and then highlight what was God calling Joshua moving forward? What was this one word that we want to talk about? There was a movie called The Soul Surfer some years ago um, as, a, as a depiction of, of one that we would know if you remember the story. It's... It's, um, it's pretty prevalent and, and famous. Beth, Bethany Hamilton was a young 13-year-old that was in the waters. She um, desired someday to become a professional surfer. And she uh, was in the water with, with her friend in the ocean practicing. And a shark attacked her and uh, removed her left arm. As tragic as that we know that sounds... Um, the, the movie in itself does a very good job. In fact, Bethany Hamilton mentioned that they did a very good job. Usually with true stories, they, um, sometimes they change the script to make it a little more Hollywood. But she said that in one of her, um, one of her statements that she said in, a, in, a article, in an article is that it, w- it went really, really well. And she was really pleased with the movie. But there was a period in time after this happened, as tragic as it was because she lost 60% of her blood that the first question she asked her her father is, when am I going to be able to surf again? She was already asking the question, after this tragic event, how am I going to move forward in my life? How am I going to be able to make something of my life? Where is significance going to be laid out? We know that she was a believer in Christ. We know that her family knows Christ. We know that she was devoted, even at 13 years old, to know Jesus and to walk with him at a young age. But she was still in that period where she realized she had to move forward. But even though moving forward, she still questioned. She still doubted. There were times of skepticism. What's going to happen with me? And as we know the story and you look at the movie, you saw a few things that happened. She started receiving mail from people all around the world. All of a sudden, she became a role model to young girls. Because she fought hard, she was willing to say, God, I know there's something greater for me, even though my arm is removed. And it's going to look strange to people walking around with just one arm, considering to be disabled at this point. She was willing to say, I have to move forward. I must move on. Most would have said it was impossible for her to become a professional surfer. And yet, we know that she did. Why? Because she fought hard. And so as these questions loomed and the uncertainty of her future, she moved forward and forward. Well, think about Moses and Joshua and the people of Israel, the Israelites, the people who came from Egypt and then had to go 40 years in the wilderness because of their disobedience. It was recorded in in Deuteronomy chapter one, verses two through four, that the journey should only have been 11 days. But it was 40 years. And God What I see in the 40 years, most would say that it would be some kind of negative judgment, but I see that as grace, that God would even allow them 40 years to come to a place where they could surrender. 
So God allows them to, and then he promises them a land full of milk and honey, uh, the, the promise of a place where they would be established as an identity people, an inheritance. And God's giving them this, but he gives them this because he promised it already to Abraham. And as we know in the background is that the Abrahamic covenant is obviously in line with this. God gave it to Abraham, he gave it to Isaac, he gave it to Jacob, he gave it to Joseph, and then they landed in Egypt. And then from Egypt, God calls Moses from Egypt to call out his people and to lead his people to a promised land. He was telling them to move forward even though their lives seemed impossible or uncertain or wondering whether it was gonna happen or not of a God who was promising them milk and honey, but they didn't see milk and honey. In fact, we know the story throughout Exodus that they gave up, that they made idols, made a golden calf. They were looking towards idols. They were looking towards other things to satisfy them while Moses was up on the mountain receiving the 10 commandments. So God was saying, I will preserve you as a people, like we see in the life of Joseph. I have my promises for you. I will have my provisions for you because I am God and I have a plan for you. And so when we look at this, we have to see a relationship that exists here with Moses and with Joshua. You can't miss this, although you may not see this specifically in the writing of chapter one. We have to first hit the background of this because this is vital. So first we see Moses as a leader. Let me just highlight a few things. Moses, as I mentioned, he was called out of, of Egypt. And that's a, that in alone in itself was a heart of diligence, a heart of trust, a heart of believing that God had something for him. He had a life of luxury with Egypt and now God was calling him. He called him away from Egypt to go into the wilderness or go for a time of 40 years before he would actually be called to draw out the people of Israel from, from Egypt. So he had 120 years, the first 40 years away and then the second 40 years being called. Moses called out his people to reflect on the law of God, as we know the Pentateuch of the first five books of the scripture. The Lord also called the Israelites as his chosen people to reflect his glory, reveal his character, and represent him to the Gentile nations. That is important, because when we understand the Old Testament, God was calling his people. We know that it's by grace through faith and the God of Israel. We also know that the law of Moses, the Mosaic law is known too, is that it was for sanctification. It wasn't for the purpose of drawing people into justification. And so sanctification means that when we reflect his glory, it's because God's glory is working through us. When we reveal his character, it's because we're surrendered to his godliness, to his righteousness and his holiness. And then we know that we are to represent ourselves as he called the Israelites to represent them to all the Gentile nations, Isaiah 42, 7, Isaiah 49, 7. And those were depicted as the, the, the suffering servants. So it was highlighting the fact of the importance of that. So God was calling Moses to call the people out to do that. Two million plus. So he was a pastor of two million people. How in the world did he do that? He tried to do it, but his father-in-law said, you can't do this. So now we see that the law, even in Joshua, is mentioned as the law of Moses. So now this man is highlighted as someone very important because now the law is named after him, even in Joshua 1, 7, and 8. Moses had great leadership skills and character. 
However, he did make crucial mistakes, as we know, and we all make them, that prohibited him to lead the people into the promised land. We know that. Out of anger, he lost that opportunity. And we know that, as we mentioned, that the 40 years was due to disobedience. But here's a unique one, very important to keep in mind. No other prophet in the Old Testament was spoken about from God that he spoke to him face to face. None. Deuteronomy 34, 10 through 12, spoke face to face. Numbers 12, 70 goes, there's no one like Moses. I've spoke to him face to face. He was known to be faithful. One who was personally intimate with God. One who saw his glory on the mountain, receiving the commandments. He saw the Shekinah glory in Exodus 33 and 34. But there was someone else who was there too. Joshua. Joshua was witnessing everything Moses was going through. What's so unique about the relationship is that Joshua saw the faults and the great characteristics of Moses. See, Moses did what we would should be doing in our lives, is discipling someone. When we move forward, when we disciple someone, we take them alongside of. It's, in the Greek word, it's, it's, it's a word that it's saying, come alongside of, parakaleo. But it's the kaleo, the called ones, called alongside of for the purpose of leading someone, both in telling them about God and showing them about God. Moses did that. Joshua witnessed it. And throughout his life, as we see this relationship, now we see that Joshua witnessed everything. In Exodus 17, he had his first military victory against the Amalekites. And God was using that with that step forward to get to the promised land. That was one of the steps. Exodus 24, he was there again for the Ten Commandments. Numbers 13 through 14, Kadesh Barnea, the spying of the land. Joshua and Caleb, out of the 12, the two that believed God, trusted God that he could overcome those people through them. And we know about the other 10 and their generations. You read the book of Hebrews. And you can read Psalm 95 and 78 because that's what it shares. But see, originally, Joshua's name was Hosea. But Moses changed it to Joshua. And in the earlier years with Moses, he experienced conquering Canaan. In his early years, uh, he conquered it. And then it helped him to know about his later years with the conquest of Canaan. So this is all important because, see, God was preparing Joshua for this moment to move forward. See, God was preparing him to take his people to his promised land. See, this is important. See, as we see now in chapter 1, verse 1, it says this, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, again, mentioned here, 14 out of 18 times in the Old Testament it was mentioned in the book of Joshua. Moses was mentioned the servant of the Lord. So Moses was ideal and important in the life of Joseph. Because here's what it says there. The Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant. See, what was allowing for Joshua to move forward was that he saw everything that God did through Moses' life. Good and bad and the ugly. But what's so vital and important is that for him to have the courage to move forward... He had to have discipleship in his life. He had to be able to see what was going on. And so it's it's vital, it's important to understand that. And so as we look at Joshua chapter one, one through six, we'll we'll go on later to seven through nine. 
we wanna see three things, three, possibly even four, of an important process here of God calling Joshua to have courage. Three things that he had to have courage in. The first thing was his plan. Look with me to Joshua 1, 1 and 2. I just read one, let me read two. Moses, my servant, is dead. Most would say, we can't do anything now. Moses is dead. How are we going to move forward? If someone, if Moses didn't mentor Joshua, how could they move forward? How in the world could someone know what was going to happen to the people of God? I mean, Joshua had the experience of seeing them going through 40 years of the wilderness. So if, in most cases, when someone's removed from a position, if someone's not groomed for that next position or an apprentice, then there's a problem. Every company, every church, any institution should have that set up. That is a leadership importance that each one of us, so I ask the question, who are you mentoring today? Who's been mentoring you? See, I really believe in the life of the church, and I believe it's biblical, if you look in the New Testament, each one of us needs to have someone who's mentoring us, and we need to be mentoring someone else. Because if we don't, we can't move forward. There's no way. The church is the agent to reach the lost, and the church's purpose is to make disciples. So who are we discipling? This is so vital because otherwise we're, we're gonna see our lives sad, lonely, depressed, dreadful if we don't pour in our lives to someone else or if someone's pouring into us. There's one thing that God has instilled in me since the day I came to be a Christian. I always wanted someone to pour into me, someone who could keep it real with me tell me where I need to work on some things, but then I needed to do the same thing by pouring myself into the life of another. And in every situation, in every transition in my life, God has allowed me the grace to be able to do that. Because no matter my situation, where I'm at, when I pour into the life of someone else, I already have three people pouring into me, and then some. But it's so important that we're pouring into the lives of others. That's why this is vital. Verse one and two is so vital because... He said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, this is what he's telling Joshua, arise. In another version, it says, get up. God is telling Joshua, get up. That's a command. Cross the Jordan River. Now, Joshua could have said, but Lord, you got to understand, we have a lot of enemies ahead of us. Lord, you have to understand, I'm tired of tracking. This is 40 years. Lord, you got to understand, I don't think I have much energy left in me. Lord, you got to understand, uh, we don't have Moses anymore. How are we going to do this? Lord, you don't understand. There's a lot of people under me. How in the world is this going to happen? But we don't, what we see is that God made a command and he gave him his plan, real simple, arise and cross over or go over to this Jordan. Because in order to get to the promised land, you had to cross over to Jordan. Quite deep, three to 10 feet deep in water, uh, said to be almost a mile long tracking over up to a million people or so. But here's what was happening. He had a plan and he was highlighting that plan. And he goes on to say this in verse two, you and all these people into the land that I've given to them, to the people of Israel. See, this is, this is what's important here about leadership. Joshua 
could have not received a better mentor to serve alongside of. We can learn that. He had the best that God could offer to him. We understand that. But in order for Joshua to properly lead, he needed to learn to be a servant. If your mentor is known to be the servant of the Lord, guess what Joshua had to be? A servant. See, because before we can be a leader, we must be a servant. In the parable of the talents, Jesus said this. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much and enter into the joy of your master. See, when we're faithful with just that little as a servant, God will give us more to lead. But we need to be faithful. Are we faithful? Are we faithful to disciple someone? Are we faithful to carry along and mentor someone and move forward? See, here's the plan. It's really this simple too. He said he, he told them to lead them into the land, destroy the enemy before you, and receive the inheritance through obedience. That was the plan. It was really that simple, but not easy to be done. Here's what Aristotle even said. Even a Greek philosopher said this. One who is faithful, or he said, he who has never learned to obey cannot be a good commander. He who does not learn to obey to be the servant of God cannot be a good commander. And so God was calling Joshua to have courage in his plan, to believe him that no matter. Now, here's where I think we fall, all of us. We're concerned about the what and the how before the why. Let me say that again. We're concerned always about the what and the how before the why. That's what stops us from moving forward. If God tells us, move forward with a command, go over the cross, cross over the Jordan, if he were to call us to do that, how many of us, and me included, would say, well, wait a minute, God, how are you going to do this? I don't see any, these people don't look like the people I would cross over with. And Lord, I don't know how in the world. And by the way, I've got to be at dinner at five o'clock. My wife gets upset with me if I don't sit with the kids at the table. And Lord, I've got to help my children with their homework. And Lord, um, are you really asking too much of me here? I mean, how in the world? See, Lord, I can't give in until you tell me how you're going to do this. I got to hear your plan. God didn't give him specific plan. He just said, go and do this. But if we knew why, we know that God is faithful. He's a loving God. He has a plan. It's perfect. He has promises. They're perfect. If God has his power and his presence with us, it's perfect. It's going to work out. Then we really don't care about the how and the why. We're not concerned about it because we know God will get us through it. See, that's the kind of faith Joshua had. But Joshua had 40 years of experience with Moses he was able to be assisted well and mentored well that he knew when God said, go and get it, he already was conditioned to say, okay, Lord, I believe you. Yes, it's been hard. Yes, it's been difficult, but it's necessary. Here's the second thing God called Joshua to have courage in, in his promises, verses three and four. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised Moses. So if Moses is dead and he's gone, don't worry about it. Because what I promised to Moses, if I keep a promise and it's perfect, then what I told Moses is going to happen through you because you're the next in line. And by the way, when God gives a promise, it's perfect. Why? Because if it's not perfect, then he's no longer God. And then if he's no longer God, then we're wasting our time following. Even Paul said that in 1 Corinthians 15. What's this faith about? 
If this faith is not established in God and the Son, then we're really not holding on to much. So here he's saying to him, have courage in my promises. Here's another parallel where he said, I've already promised to Moses. Look with me if you have it. I don't know, Deuteronomy 11, 24, and 25. Paralleling verses 3 and 4 of Joshua 1. It says, every place on which the sole of your foot treads shall be yours. Your territory shall be the wilderness of Lebanon and from the river, the river Euphrates to the Western Sea. No one shall be able to stand against you, which is verse five of chapter one. The Lord your God will lay the fear of you and the dread of you all in the land that you shall dread and he has promised it to you. So God is making it clear. He's making a promise clear. He promised it to Abraham in chapter 12 of Genesis. He promised Abraham in Genesis 15, 18 through 20. Do we have that? 15, 18 through 20? If we don't, that's okay. But here's a word back in chapter one, chapter one of Joshua. Look with me back to this, verse three. The word given in the Hebrew has two meanings. This is important. The two meanings are this. You have to fight to get it, and you have to follow the Lord's direction. So this is what this means. God has given it over to them, but they're not supposed to just sit back and wait for it to give it to them. They don't just sit down and say, okay, God, tell me when you're going to give it to me. In the meantime, I'm going to go over here and do some of my work. See, God is saying, I've given it to you. Now you have to follow and fight for it. And we know in all of the conquests of Canaan that they had to fight to get to the promised land. We know that it wasn't easy, but they had to pursue God, believe God, and obey God. God made it clear that obedience was important in the promises. But here's a few things. When you look at a promise in the New Testament, God will supply all your needs through his riches in Christ Jesus. We know that in Philippians 4, 19, right? So does that mean we just sit on a couch, watch our favorite TV show, hope our wives or our husbands are making us a nice meal, maybe relax a little bit more and take a nap, and then say, God, when you're ready to meet my need, you just let me know. In the meantime, I'm going to chill out and just enjoy life because you said you're going to meet my need already. Or are we supposed to be getting up every morning, tired, exhausted, going to work, making a living because that's important because we grow in character that God would even allow trials and difficulties because through struggles and trials and tribulations, we grow in character when God has to challenge us to a level to where he has to show us that he can meet our need in difficult times and impossible times, that that might be a better way of looking at it. See, God promises he'll meet our need, but it may be through difficult times. See, Joshua, it was promised to him this land, but they had to fight for it. And so it's important to understand that the promises weren't given for that purpose. Let me give you another one, a New Testament one. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. So whatever you're going through, if you're moving forward and you're not feeling good, if you're feeling like things are uncertain and doubting and fearing and worrying and wondering how in the world is this gonna happen, he is faithful to complete it. Why? Because God will always be faithful to his word, to his promises, to his presence, to everything, to his plan. He'll always be faithful. So you and I are long for the ride. And even though it's difficult, God's saying, I'll complete it. You ever notice that in our lives? Let me ask you a question. Has anything in your life, friend, have you lacked anything in your life up to this point? Have you lacked anything? Before you say my dreams, my ambitions, what I mean is that have you lacked anything 
of your needs. My wife and I, when we were first married, she knew, because I was going to be a pastor. In fact, on our third date, I said, listen, let's get it. You guys think I'm crazy. Let's get it straight here. Let's keep it straight. Third time we're, we're dating. 98% of pastors move. If you're ready or not, I got to know now, because I'm not going into this love fest if you're not ready. You got to let me know tonight. You ladies are like, Wow. I don't think I want to date you because I put a demand down. Why? Because God called me. I know it sounds crazy. Some of you guys are like, that's crazy. But that night she nodded her head and said, I'm with you. Because it's not fair to her. It's not fair to me. It's not fair to anyone. And it's definitely not fair to God because we have to see, is God for this or against this? And you know, it was so important for us to understand that because that threw it. God had a plan, but here was the plan though. At the beginning of our marriage, she thought, how are we gonna make it with our salaries? You know I don't wanna work full-time the rest of my life, and how are we gonna make it on a pastor's salary? And I said, God will meet our need according to his riches in Christ Jesus. He won't lack, we won't lack. Do you know I've been married for almost 22 years, and man, we have more than we ever imagined. More than we ever imagined. Why? Because of his promise. He'll never leave me nor forsake me. See, he promised this. And you all can share that too, but he promised this to Joshua. That's covenant language. That's Abrahamic covenant language. That's a commitment from God to us. It's unconditional. Look with me, just Genesis 28, 15. Do we have that? Genesis 28, 15. Behold, he's telling Jacob, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I have done what I promised you. Boy, that's commitment. First Chronicles 28, 20, David said this when God was removing David because of bloodshed and giving to Solomon the rightful throne. Then David said to Solomon, his son, he says, be strong and courageous and do it. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord God, even my God, is with you. He will not leave you or forsake you until all the work for your service of the house of the Lord is finished. Why? Because it was dependent on God. And so Joshua knew that. And even it was told. Now here, watch this now. Moses said to Joshua in Deuteronomy 31.8, it is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. And now God repeats it to him in chapter one. So Joshua's being reminded. And so when we see this in verses five and six, it's, six, it's very clear of chapter one. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, I will so be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. You know, he said that in Deuteronomy 7, 24 and 11, 25. God repeated it through his servant Moses. But here, Warren Wernsby, I, I consider a scholar, a practical scholar. <clears throat> he wrote so many different books from the Bible and commentaries. Said this, I love the way he said this. He said, what does this mean? This means that God's people can move forward in God's will and be assured of God's presence. I didn't even know he was gonna use the word forward. I just came up with the word, God gave me forward and it happened to be what he said. 
we can move forward with God's will in his presence. Not our will, not our ambitions, not our dreams, not what we can accomplish, not what we need to know what and the how before the why. God just simply said, I am with you. I will be there with my presence. So he promised him that. Here's where we go off. This is where we fall whenever. And he was telling him to be strong and courageous. In verse six, for you shall cause these people to inherit a land that I swore to the, for, to the fathers to give them. But here's where God is saying, strong and courageous are important words here. Strong is mentioned 300 times in the Old Testament, courageous 40 times, and are stated to inform people of God to follow through with obedience and action. Obedience leads to blessings, as we know in Deuteronomy 28. So the Lord often reminds the Israelites in obedi- in, in, about obedience, which led obedience to his power. Now, here's, here's the important thing here. Very vital, very vital, because it's, it's, it's so important. Because in Exodus 23, 20 through 22, this is why God, that's why I'm sharing these scriptures to show you that God was speaking to Moses, transferring to Joshua. He says, behold, I send an angel before you to guard you on the way and to bring you the place that I have prepared, which is the promised land. Pay careful attention to him and obey his voice. Do not rebel against him, for he will not pardon my transgression, for my name is in him. But if you carefully obey his voice and do all that I say, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. What an awesome, awesome statement. So vital, so, so important. Because see, God's promises and his presence were known. So the third thing is that God called Joshua to have courage in his presence. He would be with him. This was so important because by being obedient in his presence, we receive his blessings, have the power to move forward and be able to see God to do great things. You know, I had a video that we're not able to show, but you can imagine the movie Soul Surfish depicting again an an event. Um, When Bethany had that point where she was questioning and doubting and wondering what God had for her, she went on a missions trip with her youth group um, and with others in the church Um, to Thailand when that tsunami happened in 2004. She had just went about that time. Over 230,000 people died practically instantaneously from the floods of water. There was reports that people would say they were sitting there taking care of dinner and then they just saw water and only a few survived to tell about it. But when they did, they saw their family washed away in death. And Bethany went with her team, and when she went there, she recognized that whatever she was going through was not as important as the needs of these people. She realized that her life wasn't that bad, even though she had her left arm removed by a shark. And even there was a a scene, and it's a true scene, because you could probably see in the original, I'm, I'm not sure if they have a video, I recall seeing it, but she was on a beachfront with her, with her leader, and there was this little child who was afraid to talk to her. And then Bethany picked up a a board, a surfer board, and she went out into the water and brought the little child. All of a sudden, 20, 30, 40 kids started joining in in the water with her. And she realized at that moment that her life meant more than just surfing for herself. 
that she knew that God had something for her. That at the end of the movie, they wanted to ask her when she didn't win that competition at the end, because having that one arm, she was unfortunately disabled and could not do what she could do with two arms. And at that point, what happened was she said, if this never happened to me, I wouldn't have the platform that I have today. She was willing to move forward to believe that God had something for her. Let me just share a few things. She had one particular thing that was important. She recognized the compassion of God and the love of God. Because at the end of the, of the story, she goes, when you have love, you don't need anything else. And one of the things that we have to understand about God is that God is compassionate and loving for those who are hurting, who are far away, who need him, who desperately need a touch. And the people of God in a church have that opportunity to reach those who are far away with compassion and love. But what she realized was that we can hear that God is compassionate, but until we receive it in our lives, then we can share it. See, we can't share an intellectual thought about God, but when it's, when it's starting to happen in our lives, when we experience compassion and love of God, all of a sudden now it means a lot deeper than it was with just a simple word. And when you and I are moved by the compassion of God and the love of God, we have nothing to do else than to try to reach people who are around us, people at work, people in our neighborhood, people just around this neighborhood, whomever we come into contact, family members, we start to have this compassion that overwhelms us because we experience the compassion of God. See, Joshua had that. He received that with Moses. Joshua could not move forward if he didn't know the love and compassion of God. He could not represent God, reveal his character, reflect his glory until he knew it for himself. See, what made something so special about a Bethany Hamilton was that she knew the love of God and the compassion of God that she would not stop. In fact, she has a book called Unstoppable. What's so inspiring about this young lady who's now 28 but was 13 at the time Said so she married a youth pastor. She has two children. She started a nonprofit ministry called Friends with Bethany, reaching those who also had shark attacks and their arms were removed. She has a picture where she ministers. They do youth retreats or retreats in general, and they reach out to people and they have counseling times with people to encourage them because when your arm is removed and when you're going through life, you can feel insignificant. She made a few comments because in 2016, the ESPY award, uh, they wanted to give her for the best female athlete with a disability. She refused to receive their award. Why? She wrote, I just couldn't receive the award joyfully. She explains now, I really just don't like the word disabled. Instead, she prefers the term adaptive, saying it all comes back to the mind. So if you think you are disabled, then you are going to be held back by that. I, if I thought that I was totally disabled, I probably wouldn't have, have ever surfed again. But I adapted to my situation and figured out how to do it. She was unstoppable. Listen to this. She goes, she, she says this. She goes, yet it's clearly from Unstoppable, the book and the documentary, that the surfer doesn't let anything get in her way from continually challenging herself. These are things she says I've done, like catching huge waves that I'm so stoked on, or even with two arms I'd like, like I'd like to be. Woo, that's so sick, Hamilton says. But the documentary 
shows her frequently outsurfing her competitors, like one in the Fiji competition at which Hamilton beat the number one ranked surfer at the time. She's gotten into this competition as a wild card entry, and she easily proved she belonged. She wouldn't let anything stop her. She says this, the life I have now with one arm, as I think, so much more awesome. She says, even if I kept my two arms, I'd have a lot of success with surfing, but it just might not have had the same impact that it has now. The challenge of doing it all with one arm, that's really exciting. There's no one else really doing it, what I'm doing. I'm like in my own genre. See what happened to her? She started a ministry. She started a ministry. She's with her husband. Her husband's leading it. A nonprofit ministry helping people. She moved forward. She didn't give up. She trusted that God had something for her. She's no longer insignificant, disabled, just adaptive. You know what? Wherever you are in your life today, you need the courage to move forward. You and I have the, the plan of God, the promises of God, the presence of God. We have it. Just like Joshua had it and Moses had it, it's given to us through Emmanuel. God is with us. We have the Holy Spirit that lives in us. We can move forward because God's plan is perfect. You don't need to know the know, the what and the why or the how. You just need to know why. God has a plan and it's perfect. He will promise you his presence as he has and he's given you his promises. You know, I know not only in your life, but in the life of this church, you guys are moving forward. You have a card in front of you, as we mentioned earlier. I mean, this merge, I think, is vital for so many reasons. One is that there are many people outside of these walls who desperately need to hear the gospel and to see the life of the believers working for the sake of the kingdom of God. God wants to do a work for his church. This is his church. This is his message. This is his word. This is his. It's not ours. It's his. We just come along and do whatever. We're servants of the Lord. Just like Moses, we're servants of the Lord. Remember, we have to be a servant before we become a leader. And I just want to encourage you moving forward. That's the purpose of this. Let's move forward and believe God for what he has. He has awesome things for his church. But you and I need to have that compassion, that love, that movement in our hearts. We can't move forward with resentment. We gotta move forward with compassion and love. And so I wanna encourage you to keep moving forward for the sake of the kingdom, moving forward in your life individually, moving forward for the sake of the corporate church. Really, we're corporate before we're individual. And to challenge you to move forward, just like with Joshua, he didn't know what was coming. He didn't know how difficult it was going to be. He didn't know how many fights he was going to have to fight in order to get to the promised land. He had no idea, but you know what he had the idea of? He knew one thing, that God had a perfect plan. His presence would be with him, and his promises were a guarantee. I just want to encourage you, moving forward is vital. Maybe this year, this coming year, the start of a new year, God wants you to have that courage to move forward in your individual life. Maybe it starts in your heart. What is it? I don't know. I know it has to start with me. I have to work on me before God. So I want to encourage you. Let's pray and ask God as the worship team is coming up. Let's ask God to begin to do that work. Be encouraged. Know your God is good. He's faithful. 
Know that he is here to do a great work in all of you and all of you together as a corporate people can make a difference for the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for reminding us to move forward. You said to Joshua, get up, arise. That was, that's a command. You said that to Jonah. You said it to Joshua. Cross over the Jordan. I don't see anything recorded in the scriptures that Joshua said, but how, Lord, and, and what are you going to do? All I see is obedience. And Lord, I thank you for Moses, and I thank you for Joshua, and I thank you for the people that even though they fell into 40 years of wilderness, they continue to trust you. And so, Lord, I, I pray for my brothers and sisters here, and I pray for Bethlehem Church, that, that you would move your church forward for your kingdom's sake. This is your church. These are your people. This is your word. This is your message. This is your gospel. We just want to be your servants. You called Moses a servant of the Lord. 14 out of 18 times in the Old Testament in the book of Joshua. Joshua's only once. Moses was special, a faithful man you spoke to face to face. Father, I pray that we would desire that intimacy with you, that relationship with you, and I pray that we would move forward for your sake. Use us today for your kingdom, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.